0: Hey, everybody, it's Brian. The work hours for a professional working in athletics can fluctuate. That is why the University of Cincinnati Online designed a Master of Sports Administration program that is both flexible and 100% online. Connect and build relationships with other students, alumni working in athletics, and their experienced staff. The best part? You can graduate in as little as one year. If you're unsure about going back to school, UC Online has a team of student success coordinators ready to guide you from start to graduation. Reach out and learn more about UC Online today by visiting online.uc.edu and searching for the Master in Sports Administration
1: program. There's all types of opportunities in sports. So a lot of educational interviews, I think is what, what people should be out there, trying to connect with people, build relationships, just ask a lot of questions. It's not just, you know, that you were in the military or that you worked at XYZ company. You really have to align the skills and the values with your passion for sports. It's not just about wanting to be in sports. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at
0: WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. When we first began the Work in Sports Podcast back in 2018, One thing that initially surprised me was the number of active duty or military veterans who reached out to me directly about working in sports. So many emails came in with, your podcast has been a really big help. I'm wrapping up my service time in June. I'd like to transition to the sports industry. Do you have any guidance? makes sense if you think about it. There are many parallels between military service, traits like leadership, discipline, dedication, focus, attention to detail, competition, that coincide with the demands of the sports industry. Or maybe it's just the adrenaline rush. Either way, however you define it, so many veterans transition to the sports industry and I'm here for it, big time. My dad was Marine, Vietnam vet, pretty badass guy. So I have a warm spot in my heart for the struggles of transitioning back to civilian life. At 19 years old, just a little bit of perspective here. At 19 years old, he was shipped off to another country to fight a harrowing war on foreign land, battling for his life daily for two years. At 21, he came back a much different person, struggling to adapt to a post-war life. He battled demons. He never really found peace. He never found purpose or a career, and he died pretty young. I'm not here to make this about me, But I had a front row seat for the transition from one life to another. And if we can open our arms to help in that transition for anyone that might be dealing with somebody similar, game on. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to have on today's guest, Alan Monroy, Army Captain, who successfully completed some of the Army's most challenging leadership courses, including Ranger, Airborne, and Air Assault Schools. So, yeah, he's a badass, too. But now he's the director of global partnerships for the Vegas Golden Knights. He has transitioned well from his military service career to his post career in the sports industry. He's transitioned to this new world and he's here to talk about that and share the help he's willing to give.
1: Hey, Alan, what's happening? So excited to talk to you today. Hey, Brian, very excited to be on with you. Big fan, big fan of the podcast.
0: Well, that's awesome right there. That's a good start right there. You know, flattery always works. Um, (laughs) Let's start at the beginning. I think you've got a really interesting journey, and I want to kind of go through it all. Undergrad at UNLV in poli-sci, military science, and leadership. I'm guessing that at that point, you weren't like, I'm going to be the director of Global Partnerships for the Vegas Golden Knights someday. Uh, so what was the original plan? What was kind of the vision you had for yourself? And and I mean, I'm just so curious how it all comes together.
1: Absolutely. Definitely not a typical route to the sports industry by far. Uh, like you said, when I was an undergrad here at UNLV, you know, I grew up in Vegas. So this is my hometown. Uh, Really, all I wanted to do was was be a soldier and and lead soldiers uh, in the the army. Uh, My goal was to become an airborne ranger and jump out of helicopters and airplanes and uh, lead soldiers in in combat. And and that's what I went on to do. Sports was never part of the plan. Always grew up a big sports fan, obviously. Uh, But here in Vegas, we didn't have any local teams when I was growing up. So I had to kind of root for all types of different teams around the country so when we got the Knights, uh, obviously things changed. So.
0: Yeah, it changed big time. Well, first off, thank you for your service. I think that's amazing. And you did everything that you set out to do, leading as a soldier and, and jumping out jumping out of everything. Um, we've found over the years of doing this show and for different groups we've had in social media, we've found that there's a pattern, that there's a lot of military veterans that after they finish their active service do look towards the sports industry. Why do you think that is? Why is there that match there or that pattern there, do you think?
1: Yeah, so I think veterans, we all struggle finding an identity Uh, post-service, right? When you're a soldier, it doesn't matter if you do two, four, 20 years, it really becomes part of your identity. And that goes for all the service members, uh, not just the Army. So the first thing is just figuring out what your new identity is and finding a new team, right? The military is your team, uh, whether it's Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marine Corps, whatever it may be, that's your team. That's the jersey that you wear. And I think when you leave uh, active service, you struggle a little bit. I know I did uh, yeah. with finding my place and and I tried a couple of different industries and, and they were all great. And, and I had... Phenomenal leaders and mentors uh, along the way. But I I always connected to sports where they tell you, you know, if you could go back to being a kid and, and what you really wanted to do. And, and I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That's that's what I thought of growing up playing baseball my whole life. Obviously, that didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> sports sports have always been uh, near and dear to my heart. And I think the the camaraderie, the competitive nature, the loyalty to the team, the operational tempo of of being on a sports team is very similar to to being on active duty because you're working the long hours. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do a lot with a little, right? Depending on yeah. the budget of the team, so we're we're kind of used to that. So I think that's where that that normal transition is. But at the end of the day, it's just being part of a team and having that loyalty behind
0: you. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, my dad was military veteran. He fought in Vietnam and came back. And I know that transition for him was tough. I know that transition to back to a a normal or, or a different lifestyle can be different to find that thing that gives you some sense of purpose can be difficult. I know it was for him. I've heard it from many other military veterans. Uh, so it's really cool that you've landed where you have. Um, you studied leadership. You lived it as a captain in the army. I'm not saying that there's any Correlation there. I mean, it's much different. It's much more intense. But leading people, there are some there are some principles there, right? Uh, does it translate to the world you're currently in where, I mean, obviously a different scale. I'm not minimizing or really comparing them. But leadership, being able to have that skill is something that should stand out and help you get your career going in the right direction. Do you find that you still use a lot of those, those same traits in leadership?
1: Absolutely. I think leadership is one of the most important transferable skills to any industry, whether it's on the ice, on the field, as a coach, as a mentor, uh, in sales, marketing. At the end of the day, you're working with people. And yeah. what is leadership but being able to relate to people and, and motivate folks to do things that they otherwise wouldn't be doing, right? And um, so I think uh, that's a really good way it, of
0: putting it, motivating yeah. people to do things they wouldn't otherwise be doing. I mean, it's a good. Yeah, point. If,
1: if you think about it, when you're tired, you're hungry, uh, you're bit, you've been out in the field and, and it's raining on you and you're carrying a hundred pounds on your back. And someone tells you to do something that you probably don't want to do, but you believe in them and, and yeah. you see them as a leader and you're going to follow them. And that's the type of leader I tried to be uh, really a servant leader type mindset and I've been able to transfer that into every industry that I've worked with. And it's even more important in sports because you see leadership from all types of different departments within sports. It doesn't have to just be the coach on the ice with the players, right? It, the back office it's the corporate side of sports. So if you consider yourself a leader, and by the way, leadership has nothing to do with management. Uh, you can right. be an individual contributor and imagine anyone, and uh, manage anyone and be a leader. So I think leadership is just about inspiring others. To do bigger, better things, so absolutely transferable to sports and, and any industry. So I use it every day.
0: When you talked about you know the military side of leadership and, and you know carrying the pack and all that all the hard work that goes into that, the first thing I think of when you say it is trust. Right, there has to be the trust between you and the person you're trying to lead. They have to know that you're looking out for their best interest as well. How do you establish that when you get into a new environment? How do you build that trust with people? So that they are willing to perform and follow if needed,
1: I focus heavily on building relationships, which goes into obviously the 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 sales side of any business. You, you want to build relationships. People will most likely want to do business with you or follow you if if they believe in you, they trust you, and they overall think you're doing what's in their best you know outcome. And that's how I try to approach everything that I do. I build relationships, I ask questions, I listen. And learn before I try to change anything or try to improve anything, especially as the the newer guy here, uh, relatively new to, to sports, just figuring out my, my environment before I do anything. So I think that's part of leadership is doing a lot of listening and learning and asking questions before you try to make too many changes early on.
0: Okay. So you said a lot of keywords in there that a lot of people don't hear enough, that listening is a big part of leadership. I love that because I think a lot of people interpret leadership as being the loudest voice in the room or the most bombastic or, you know, the most charged up, but that listening is a, listening is a skill that not enough people embrace. Am I right?
1: Absolutely. And I've been lucky enough to have all types of leaders and believe it or not, not all of them are uh, extroverted type a personality Running out front, being the loudest person in the room, sometimes just walking into a room and being quiet and just bringing in your energy and and just having that um, executive presence does a lot more than just talking or being the loudest person in the room. So the best thing I, I try to do is just always listen and learn from others because you have to learn about other people in order to lead them. Right. You have to know them at a core level To know what motivates them and what's important to them. Because it's not about you. It's about the teams that you lead. That's
0: fantastic advice. And I I do think there's probably not enough training or teaching that goes into leadership. It's one of those terms we use a lot. We talk about a lot, kind of. But, I mean, I I don't personally believe that leaders are born and that you can't be taught. Um, What do you think about that? Is is leadership something you can, uh, again, develop over time through experiences and things of that nature? I have always believed that it is, but a lot of people differ. A lot of people will say, I think you're born that way and you have that in you or you don't. What's what's kind of your viewpoint there on, on being a leader?
1: I absolutely think that leadership can be taught and it can be learned and different experiences in your life will develop different skills and attributes that tie in with leadership throughout your career. Um, I don't think anyone is born a leader. I think some people are more adept to it. Uh, yeah. They have maybe more of an extroverted personality. Um, I think also people tie in leadership with being the the strongest, the fastest, the you know the the winning personality. And and although there is something to be said about that, I think oftentimes some of the most successful leaders I've served under are the folks that. Uh, learned over the years, and are the first to raise their hand and say, "You know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to find out." Yeah. Uh, instead of pretending to be something that you're not, because people will see through that. Whether that's in the military or sports or any industry, I think the most th- the, the most important thing you can do is be true to yourself and, and lead in your own way. If, if I would try to, uh, you know, adapt someone else's leadership approach, it wouldn't work for me, nor nor would that for you, right? You really have to be true to the type of person you are and find a way to tie in the skills and attributes of leadership into your own personality.
0: So I've talked to a, a lot of veterans who it's, they knowledge. It's tough getting into the sports industry. It's competitive. And they may feel like they're at a bit of a disadvantage because maybe they didn't get to go do as many internships or gain as many pieces of experience so that their resume may not scream out, come hire me for a job in the sports industry. A lot of times they'll go back and get a master's or something along that degree to, to help. But that doesn't always fit for everybody. What was your plan coming out of service and saying, I want to jump into this industry you finished active duty in 2016. What was your plan to break into this new arena after facing some of those challenges, too, of maybe having a resume that looked a little different than other people's possibly?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the major challenges with veterans transitioning out of service is how do they translate their skills for hiring managers who have never led veterans or never served themselves how do they communicate their value to organizations? So that's not just in the sports industry. That's really in any industry. So I do a lot of coaching and mentoring on the side of veterans to help them translate some of those skills. Now, there's a ton of organizations out there that do this as well, and it's gotten much better. But specifically in the sports industry, it is a tough industry to break into because a lot of people want to be in sports and they're on enough roles, as you know. Uh, so it's uh, it's the most important Time to to be able to translate and to be able to communicate your value to a potential team that would be hiring you. Now, I didn't leave the army and think, okay, I'm going to go work in sports. It wasn't until I was in the banking industry that I was exposed to managing some sports accounts that I realized, oh, wow, there's all these opportunities in the middle and back office of sports. It doesn't just have to be in the Coaching or or general management of athletes to be in sports. Um, so then, at the time, I just kind of did a a, a um, self assessment and, and realized, okay, what are my skills? What are my attributes? And and where do those fit in? And and partnership, sales, and business development, and building relationships was always something that I was relatively good at and, and continued to do that after the Army. And that's that's where I saw the alignment once I found out about the partnerships and sponsorship roles that each team has. So that was kind of my way to break in. But I still had to get more experience in that sector before a hiring manager could look at me and, and say, OK, this makes sense, right? It's not just you know that you were in the military or that you worked at XYZ company. You really have to align the skills and the values with your passion for sports. It's not just about wanting to be in sports.
0: One of the most common questions we get as people are in college or they're in the military or wherever they are, when they start to determine, I want to work in sports, they don't necessarily know what that means. Finding that fit, what they want to do exactly can be really difficult. So how did you get to this position of global partnerships? How did you finally find that path to say, this is what I want to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's that I think that's one of the most important things you can do is really do a self assessment of what do you enjoy doing? You know, what are you good at? What are your skills? What are some of your attributes? What type of environment do you want to work in? Right. Because I think a lot of people romanticize. I want to work in sports because I have my favorite NFL team or NHL team is this. So I would love to work for them. Right. Um, now I'm lucky enough where I get to work for my hometown team and and it really is a dream opportunity, but it took me years to realize and and kind of get to this position of, of saying, okay, these are the skills and experiences that I've had. and this is where they match my passion for, the sport and from my home team and it was a big on timing as well the right timing the right opportunity has to be open because like I mentioned a lot of people want to work in sports but there aren't always a lot of opportunities or or positions because sports are smaller industries right or smaller companies within that organization so what I did was when I left the military I went into banking and there I picked up a lot of experience in business development sales partnerships and I was first exposed through sports, as I mentioned, while I was in banking. And then I realized all the opportunities that were in the middle and back office of sports, not just in the general management of sports, the coaches, the players, the, 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 the athletic part of, of the sports industry. Right. So you can be finance, you can be sales, you can be marketing operations. There's all types of opportunities in sports. So a lot of educational interviews I think is what what people should be out there trying to connect with people build relationships just ask a lot of questions on what type of roles are available every league might be different every team might be different and then after you do that self assessment you say okay this is this is where my skills and my experience line up with what I want to do you can't solely rely on I'm passionate about sports I love sports so I want to go work in sports
0: no you're so right we get that all the time of people saying I'm the biggest fan I love this and that's not why somebody's going to hire you it's what skill set do you bring to the table? What interest do you have? What are you passionate about? Those things matter so much. So a lot of people in the audience may not even realize what it means to work in global partnerships. What what does that mean? What is that world like for you? What is your day-to-day like? I know it's going to be different. Every day is always different in the sports industry. But overarchingly, what does it mean to work in global partnerships for the Vegas Golden Knights?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So global partnerships, um, I always like to say it's a fancy name for uh, building relationships and working with the sponsors and investors of the team. So there's two revenue streams to every every team, right? Ticketing and, and sponsorships are, are usually the most likely revenue streams for a sports organization. Now I'm on the sponsorship side or the global partnerships. And it's evolved over the years. It used to be very transactional back in the day. A team or or a brand sponsors a team, and it's a kind of a quick transactional relationship. Now, over the years, that's evolved into utilizing data, understanding the brand, understanding the assets. How can we best meet the objectives of that brand through our sports marketing assets? So Very a lot of creative ideas, um, a lot of prospecting, understanding different markets, different brands and uh, kind of building relationships with those brands to be able to potentially add value to their organization through sports marketing assets. So really, there is no one day that's similar to the other, um, especially when you're in season or off season season. Uh, really, just want to get creative around working with different organizations and figuring out how you can add value, uh, utilizing sports marketing assets to to their advantage.
0: So, where would you say is is your main focus? Then, are you more focused on the the business side of the operation, on the creative side, on the relationship side? Like, where do you think your your time is best spent, and where you where you spend most of it?
1: I'd say it's every it's different for every team, but for us and, and for my role specifically, it's a little bit of everything. I would say the most time is spent in the sales and prospecting side of the partnerships or sponsorship world. So finding new opportunities, connecting with them, uh, yeah. you know, communicating our value proposition. And, but there's also a lot of relationship management that goes on. We, when we close an account, we pass it on to our activation folks, and they do a lot of the customer service and obviously activating on those assets. But we stay yep. very much involved as the, the sales side of the operation to make sure that everything we talked about, everything that's in the contract is actually happening and hopefully building a long, fruitful relationship for both the brand and the team.
0: There's so much energy behind the Golden Knights. So I have family out in Vegas. And when we go out there, that, that is, it's so important to that community. As you said, growing up there, there were no pro sports teams. And now you've seen this wave of that happening. The, the Golden Knights games are an event unto themselves. It's, it embodies Vegas. It's got that whole vibe to it. It's unlike any sporting event that I've been to, and I've been to a lot. Does that energy carry forward into dealing with, with partners and, and these concepts? I mean, do they realize that there's something kind of special happening there? It's a little different. Does that cut some of the angle you can take sometimes saying, yeah, we're doing things a little bit bigger, a little bit bolder. It's a little different here, and and you want to be aligned with us. Does that Does that energy match up?
1: It does. It does. Energy is huge in, in everything that we do here. I mean, growing up here, uh, like I said, we we didn't have any teams to root for. The Vegas yeah. born mentality wasn't even a thing back in the day. And and unfortunately, it came out of tragedy, right? One October, what happened here in Vegas. But the way that the team rallied around the community and vice versa, build that strong bond. And Vegas born was born, right? That, that slogan yeah. that we we carry near and dear to our heart. Um, And being a Vegas native and growing up here, uh, I, I feel that. I mean, my first day walking into the building, I couldn't believe that I was actually working for the Golden Knights. And I think everyone here sees it as a privilege, not just in the NHL, but also to the community in Vegas, because we were the first professional sports team to come here and nobody thought it was going to be in hockey. But now every little kid and and you know every little boy and girl wants to play hockey now because of the Vegas Golden Knights. Our youth programs are through the roof uh, and we're very fortunate to be in that position. But when I'm talking to brands, absolutely, that energy filters over to them and they understand the value of, of working in Vegas and the the fact that Vegas is evolving, right? It's not just the Strip anymore. We have right. most of the professional sports, and more are coming this way. We have the hospitality side. There's uh, Formula One's coming here. There's so much going on in Vegas, and there's so much excitement around the the city and what we can do in sports. That I think everyone is feeling that uh, to our advantage and and to the advantage of all the brands that we work with.
0: Oh, this has been an amazing conversation. We'll finish up with this, and I thank you for your your patience. Uh, as we dealt with some technical issues during this interview, that you'll never know, listener, because we're going to make it sound seamless. But nonetheless, we have, we've talked a lot about leadership and trust, and and finding your you know personal what fits you and your passion, and lining up with that. What advice would you share with with fellow veterans, or even just college kids, or career changers, if people want to venture into the sports industry? What advice would you share with them that could help set them up for their future?
1: Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, you know, don't limit yourself to. Your degree or your background or, or where you come from. I think if you truly want to work in sports and and you're willing to to do what it takes and maybe sacrifice a little bit uh, to to get that opportunity, I say go for it. I think it's a phenomenal industry to be in, and every day you're reminded of of why you're doing it. And I know I am every day. I think about the the bigger picture, and now that I have this platform. To help others uh, i'd be glad to help anyone that's out there veteran or not that wants to break into sports you know i did it pretty recently right so i i'm, I'm fresh to the idea of you know trying to align your uh skill set to, to break into the sports industry but build the right relationships ask the right questions and be willing to be flexible, right? It might not be your hometown team, it might be at the minor league level, but if you really truly wanna work in sports, that may be where you have to start and work your way up. But also again, don't limit your opportunities to just one league or one team, really broaden out your educational process in this and and do a lot of self-study to to realign yourself with what what you want to accomplish within the sports industry. And there's plenty of people out there that are gonna wanna help. Uh, But especially on the veteran side, I'd I'd love to get more veterans in sports and help others do what I did. So um, they can always reach out to me if they have questions on LinkedIn.
0: I think that's amazing. I I would say, too, that spirit of being comfortable asking questions, I think, is so important. And I'm glad you brought it up a couple of times in this conversation. I think a lot of people tend to think, you know, if I'm asking questions, that puts me in a vulnerable spot. Somebody might think I'm not I don't understand it, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm this, or I'm that. Facts are, when you ask questions, it shows curiosity. It shows a desire to learn and to improve and to get better. And there's no way you can you can grow if you're not willing to ask those questions. So I love you kept bringing that up. It's, it's so important. That's how you learn, is asking people that have done it before how they did it. And that's so important. So I'm glad that you're opening yourself up to that as well. Alan, thank you so much for
1: joining me as part of this conversation. It's great to learn so much from you. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Like I said, big fan. So it's an honor to be on with you.
0: Big thanks to Alan for coming on the show. I really love the story that he was able to share and his openness, his willingness to help others, to provide advice, to provide guidance. I think it's so important for those in the military who we all respect so much to have somebody like Alan, who's a blueprint for success, to have somebody willing to reach down and lend a hand and to offer help. Alan's made it clear. He's there for you. Feel free to reach out with him. Connect on LinkedIn. Message me and I'll connect you guys. Whatever you need. If you're a veteran out there looking to work in the sports industry, I can tell just in the time that I've spent with Alan that he's very sincere in wanting to give back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the Work in Sports podcast. It does help us a lot to grow and to continue to have incredible guests like Alan Monroy. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll see you on Monday.